Today, I wanted to talk to you guys about some confusion that I've been reading surrounding this year's draft, the 2023 draft for your Pittsburgh Pirates. Obviously, uh, if you're a Pirates fan, you know by now, if you follow them even in the least bit, that Paul Skeens has been signed our number one, the 1-1, one, one, out of Louisiana State University coming in at $9.2 million. That's around a $500,000 saving. Uh, and a lot of people, as soon as they hear this saying of he's signed under slot, their thoughts automatically drift back to the 2021 draft in which Henry Davis, who's now with the big league club, was signed, and then, you know, the Pirates had this, you know, magical draft that was praised by, you know, pretty much everybody at the time, including myself, uh, being able to get uh, an Anthony Solomedo, being able to get Bubba Chandler, Lonnie White Jr., and it was like, wow, the Pirates went under slots. So they were able to get, you know, what ended up being, you know, pretty much, Four of the top, you know, 50 prospects within the rankings that year, which, you know, looking back on it, you know, they were able to, you know, get Bubba Chandler away from going to Clemson University uh, to be a quarterback. They were able to get uh, Lonnie White Jr. from, you know, his commitment to Penn State, where he probably would have, you know, been a wide receiver and also, you know, played on the baseball team. So, Everybody thinks that, you know, as soon as they heard the underslot, it's, you know, like, where are these savings going? Well, if you remember correctly, Henry Davis was signed for almost $2 million under slot. So, I mean, everybody gets their bonus, you know, the signing bonuses that they can hand out for the draft. You know, the Pirates were over $16 million for this year. So, I mean, if you think about it, you then have probably around, you know, $7 million to sign as many players as you can for the rest of the draft. And we've seen, you know, other underslot signings, you know, Mitch Jeb out of Michigan State signed for underslot. I, I don't know if we've even really seen an, an overslot deal at this point in time. But if you if you save say $2 million on your first signing, and then you go under slot. I think it was with, uh, it was Justin Mice, uh, Luke Brown, and a few other people that were notable that they said, you know, we have about $2.3 million in savings uh, to be able to spread out throughout the draft to, to get some guys away from their commitments. And that's a lot more money than, you know, what the Pirates have been saving so far this year. And the biggest thing to me is everybody's like, okay, so where is this savings going? And I know that, you know, people go to, you know, the different draft trackers and stuff to see, you know, where players are ranked and saying that, you know, well, you know, why would they pay this guy an overslot value? Because, you know, where he's being picked at, it's actually, you know, prior to 
his actual you know ranking and and the biggest one I've seen here is is Xander Meath and Xander Meath the biggest thing to me is is this is kind of twofold with Xander Meath you number one have to get him to you know step away from his his college commitment his commitment to old miss and and this isn't a commitment that he just made he made this commitment it was back in january of this previous year so it was even you know before his his junior season um, had even started. So it's not even like, you know, this guy had, you know, just committed now. So he's had this pretty strong commitment to this program uh, to to be able to possibly, I mean, with the ultimate goal of, of moving himself um, up through the ranks. And I saw, you know, he's the 67th pick. It has about a 1.128 million dollar slot bonus. And it's like, so where would, you know, where, why would you need to, to pay him an, an overslot? Because, you know, according to MLB pipeline, he's ranked at number 83. Well, I mean, I do like the MLB pipeline rankings. I, I feel like that, you know, their app and everything is, is super, you know, navigatable. If that's a word, you know, it's, it's easy to navigate, and so, like, people will automatically say, well, you know, that's where his ranking is at. But if you even just open up, you know, one other ranking, if you would go to, you know, Baseball America's top, you know, 100 prospects, Xander Meath, you know, he comes in at number 59 uh, and has, you know, pretty much like a, you know, a grade that is listed as somebody who would be a a regular contributor to a major league ball club with an overall grade of 50. So you're going to have to get this guy um, who has this commitment, who may, you know, not be ranked as high because, I mean, he did struggle a little bit during his senior season, but also I think I mentioned on one of the previous uh, Bucks in the Basement episodes that he really hasn't pitched um, a ton of innings uh, through his junior and his senior season. So it's kind of tough to say, you know, he's taking a risk if he would go to to college. And then I also saw someplace else out there that, you know, that him and his dad were super excited. So he, why would he require an over slot? And, and I kind of just gave the, the immediate example of a player in, in Bubba Chandler, who I had just spoken of, whose slot value at the time when he was picked in the draft was right around, I think it was like 800 to, to 875,000. And it basically took $3 million uh, to get him away from, you know, his commitment to Clemson University. And obviously he is, he was a little bit, you know, higher touted of a prospect. But the other thing is that you also have to look at the fact that not every draft class is, is created equal. Um, I've been hearing, you know, since I started you know, looking into this draft, back this past off season that this was going to be, you know, one of, you know, the deeper draft classes, because I mean, I hate that I keep on having to bring this up, 
but you know you look back to uh, 2020 to the pandemic year that's where a lot of these um, especially the college players would have had to make the decision to you know enter the draft to sign with a team and to take that risk in a five round draft and there wasn't as much bonus money to go around obviously not as much picks you know you couldn't you know, play around with it too much. So, and I saw a lot of players just, you know, keep to their commitments to the college ranks. So it's extremely deep draft. So there's, uh, there's that portion of it. So, I mean, and like I said, there's also just the differences between the rankings uh, across sites, even, you know, Fangraphs had Meath at around a 69 drafted at 67. So you would think he would be right around that slot value. And, you know, if he was say a, you know, a college junior, you may have, you know, a little bit more leverage there, but as a high school senior already has the college commitment going on, you probably are going to have to go over slot and I've seen some estimations of around, you know, a a one point seven five million to two million dollars. So if you take that savings, you know, the under slot that you did with Skeens of the around five hundred thousand, I mean, you're taking either that whole portion or more and borrowing some, you know, of the savings that you got some from some of the other guys, especially, you know savings you get from Mitchell Jeb and putting that towards uh, being able to sign Meath. And the other person that I, you know, had looked at, and I mean, everybody's kind of already thrown in the towel on this one, and that's Daniel Covey. And uh, Covey is, you know, third baseman, high school player, has his commitment to the University of Miami. Of course, you know, soon after he was drafted, you see, I think there was an Instagram post that, you know, can't wait to see you, you know, at whatever stadium, you know, the University of Miami plays at, change the colors of his Instagram to Miami colors. And, you know, I know, you know, you got the, he's a 223 ranked prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, drafted at 497. I mean, obviously right there uh, is going to be, an overslot if, if you're going to want to sign him. And this kind of takes me back. And, and this is what I've seen people, you know, say and, and talk about, you know, leading up to, you know, following these comments. Um, everybody forgets, you know, Braylon Bishop and, you know, Braylon Bishop has been down in the FCL um, hasn't, you know, maybe lived up to that hype, train that was kind of following him and the reason the hype train was following him I mean, number one he's a very talented player but I mean the second thing was that you know they drafted him I believe it was in like the 14th round was you know ranked higher than that and would need to pay over slot to get him out of his commitment and I looked back this morning as, as I was prepping for this and I looked and you know, shortly after that, he had made a comment about going to Arkansas. He showed up on Arkansas's campus. He talked to them about his commitment to, you know, the the Arkansas program. He talked about how he was going to be staying with his cousins who were football players and wanted to get down there early and get working. Well, you know, the Pirates came along at that point in time with, you know, around, I think it was around... 
$270,000 um, in a signing bonus, which was, you know, obviously over slot when you're past the 10th round. And, you know, surprise, surprise, all those comments that were made about, you know, his commitment to Arkansas, can't wait to play there, showing up on campus. I mean, it was all for naught because, I mean, it's, it is taking a risk. If a, if a high school player, you know, no matter how high they're ranked, uh, for Cuvée to be ranked, you know, 223 out of, you know, 500 players or so, you know, that end up getting ranked across, you know, certain outlets and stuff. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, but you're also taking that risk that number one, you're going to stay healthy at the University of Miami, that you're going to continue to play and perform well. I mean, there's players that, you know, may struggle in their freshman year and then, you know, may come along. And I mean, obviously, performs extremely well at, at the high level that he's been playing at as a young man, then, I mean, there is a possibility the ranks could go up, but is it going to be enough to, you know, kind of offset, you know, what could be offered to you at this point in time? And I mean, everybody, I mean, we had Joe Doyle on and we talked about how, you know, a lot of the stuff that comes out prior to the draft, after the draft, it's a lot of negotiating techniques and you know maybe the pirates we don't know this at this point in time this could be pure speculation and it is pure speculation is that i mean they could possibly come to him and say you know we'll give you two, we'll give you $200,000 say you know to to stay away from your commitment to Miami and then he goes out and he posts something that that makes them think well you know what maybe we're gonna have to up you know up that offer a little bit and this isn't saying that they are going to be able to sign cuvee but it's just kind of like how these things work you know for these types of players that are taken a little bit later i mean not surprisingly enough as well you know christian curtis out of the uh, arizona state university drafted in the 12th round was drafted you know at the 347th pick and he's ranked within the top 200 within prospect rankings. So obviously, I mean, that one is going to also be, you know, another overslot. And the Pirates have come out, you know, even I believe before they even signed Skeens, I've seen tweets, you know, from, from media members and other people after they've drafted Skeens as to the fact that, you know, the Pirates are still planning to spend their, you know, entire, you know, bonus. I, I know that people wanted to see, you know, more of that, you know, splash signing uh, that they had made with a Salamedo, with a Chandler, you know, with a Lonnie White Jr. But sometimes those things just aren't really available there. I mean, you kind of, the Pirates, they took the board in a way kind of as how it fell to them. Uh, guys that they saw with, you know, the most upside, uh, Mitchell Jeb, Mitch Jeb, the big thing, you know, we've seen come out after the draft. I mean, he signed for under slot, uh, was ranked 46 on MLB, uh, signed it, you know, the 42nd pick, you know, has been working with Adam Eaton on, on some of his outfield as, as to, you know, if he could play, you know, center field. And that's something that Chris and I had talked about on the the regular box in the basement feed is just kind of, you know, drafting athletic shortstops that can not only play shortstop, but can play, you know, somewhere else out in the field. And and I see a bunch of stuff about, you know, his, his goofy swing. And I mean, I, it, you don't, 
you know, be like the second best hitter in the Cape Cod and you don't have a great, you know, sophomore season prior to having a little bit of uh, injury problems during this junior season, I mean, and, and be a part of a, a Big Ten program and, you know, that goofy swing not work. I mean, if it works for him, it works for him. Uh, it's hitting's all about timing. It's all about being comfortable. We've seen weird swings throughout, you know, Major League Baseball, the annals of Major League Baseball. So that wouldn't be the first time. But I mean, kind of just getting back to my original points, you know, that I had been making, just about the fact that, you know, the Pirates, I mean, fans, as soon as we hear, you know, underslot, we were looking for that that big splash and and I even had some of that in the back of my head until I started like I said like crunching and and working the numbers and you know yeah you got skeins for under slot and you're saving that for to the ability to try to make some of these signings some of these signings don't work I mean unfortunately after the uh the 10th round if if you're not able to sign those players then then you don't get you know that slot bonus back but you at least want to have the ability, and especially if you're you know, making those picks later on, I mean, it wouldn't be losing a ton of money from your bonus, but I mean, you have to think that you believe that you have at least some ability to sign these players, and I mean, I, I just can't, I, I can't think of this being like, like a bad draft as to, to where everyone is going. Everyone's going, okay, well, you signed Paul Skeens and then you you really didn't go anywhere else because you, you know, reach for Mitch Jeb, which I don't think 40, you know, two from 46 is much of a reach. You know, Xander Meath, he's, you know, 67 to 83 or 59 or 69, depending on where you look at it. You know, Garrett Forrester, Carlson Reed. I mean, I, I follow Joe Doyle. We've had Joe Doyle on here and after, you know, the – the Pirates, through their first four rounds of the draft, you know, he's basically saying, you know, Mitch Jeb is one of my sleeper guys, and and this is, you know, the Pirates are putting together a pretty solid draft, you know, for through those, you know, four picks. So, I mean, and then they just go on a string of a ton of, you know, college arms, those guys that had, you know, been high school seniors had their senior season shortened for 2020 and, you know, probably didn't get to work up their, you know, I guess their draft publicity or their draft stock um, as much as they wanted to. So, I mean, you're getting a decent amount of guys that maybe have not reached their full potential, maybe still have a little bit of polish that needs to be done, but they've also, you know, been at some fairly large, you know, college programs. I mean, going from West Virginia, Vanderbilt, Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Kentucky again, Arizona State, Alabama. You're looking at, you know, a lot of large uh, and good college programs. So it's hard for me to do that. So, I mean, I guess the biggest thing I'm just is a takeaway from this is that I mean, as soon as everybody heard under slot, they thought that there was going to be these big splashes somewhere and not to say that there weren't because I mean, prior to, you know, the 2021 draft, I could probably say that, you know, 95% of the people watching the draft as pirates fans probably didn't even know who Anthony Salamito was 
probably didn't know who Bubba Chandler was. Maybe knew who Lonnie White Jr. was if you were a Penn State fan and you knew he was committed to play football for you. And kind of the same thing goes, you know, for Xander Meath in this draft. And now everybody wants Daniel Cuvay, and I guarantee you that most people didn't even know who Daniel Cuvay was prior to the draft. But, I mean, the one thing here for me that this kind of also led to is kind of how my brain works. And it's just like letting you inside of this a little bit is, you know, as I was looking through these, you know, draft rankings and different stuff, I mean, I, you automatically, you have to go through uh, the, the pirates rankings, like their prospect rankings to be able to get to, you know, the draft rankings. And I, and I, I think I had heard this said someplace else. And if I would give them credit, if, if I can remember where it was heard, but I listened to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of different stuff. But we talked about, you know, how the top 10 prospects, you know, within the pirate system, especially according to MLB pipeline is, is going to be fairly depleted after this year. And, and so it was just something, it was like a thought on top of my head. I mean, Tamar Johnson, the number one, according to MLB pipeline for right now, uh, it's still going to be there. Put Paul Skeen's one or two it, to me, like prospect rankings, you know, it doesn't mean automatic success. I, I would almost guarantee that, you know, that Paul Skeens is going to be number one, but whatever it would be. So you have two guys right there. Next in line, Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez, Quinn Priester are, are all going to graduate at some point uh, from the prospect rankings. I mean, if they all stick for, for the rest of the year, then then that's what's going to happen. If Priester would struggle again, I, I really, you know, unless Luis Ortiz starts showing something, Ronzi Contreras, you know, turns it around fairly quickly. I, I could see Quinn being up here, you know, long enough. Uh, and Nick Gonzalez, Leovo Piguero. I mean, you're looking at um, pretty much a top 10 that would be in, in any order, you know, the guys that would be left, Paul Skeens and Tamar Johnson, Anthony Solomito, Bubba Chandler, Mike Burroughs is definitely going to fall down because, you know, Mike Burroughs is number nine right now. And, I mean, unfortunately, due to injury, like it's it's kind of going to be hard to to judge what type of prospect he's still going to be until you see him pitch when he comes back in like a year and a half. And then you have, you know, Jared Jones, number 10, who's, you know, probably, you know, that's that's going to stick. He's been going up other prospect rankings. So you see pretty much half of your top 10 prospect lists kind of go away. And I mean, even if you move it down a little bit further, you know, Jared Triolo probably sticking, Carmen Majinski, who is at 22, and, you know, maybe, you know, possibly like a, you know, Alika Williams. Uh, he's number 29 possibly coming up at that. And that's where the one thing I, I will say is, is that, I mean, I I know that the pirate system, that the farm rankings that they've had have pretty much been a lot on depth as opposed to, you know, having the, the, the top ranked, like within the top 100s of, you know, across Major League Baseball, having those types of rankings. So for me, like... I think that there's going to be, I'm kind of, I guess, maybe preparing people for the the Twitter storm that may happen, you know, once these guys graduate. And I mean, we haven't seen a trade deadline yet. We haven't had an off season yet. We don't know if there's going to be some things other than the draft to, you know, build this, 
this uh, farm system back up a little bit, but it, it just kind of, you know, maybe struck me a little bit that, you know, you aren't, I don't know who you would really see. I mean, if you're Donnie De Los Santos, possibly, you know, I mean, he played extremely well down in the FCL, um, struggling a little bit in the beginning, uh, coming up to Bradenton, maybe turning things around. But, you know, he's like down at like 26, and he's probably a guy that you would want to see move up a little bit more. Uh, Thomas Harrington has struggled at times uh, going up to Greensboro. We talked about it on one of the previous shows. Hunter Barco at number 13. Uh, I, you know, thought that we would be seeing him, I mean, at some point in time here take the mound. Um, I did see that, you know, the Pirates organization, you know, changed his status back at the end of April. So I was thinking that there would be, you know, a little bit more progress in there. You know, Malcolm Nunez at 14 being hurt. Dario Lopez at 17, you know, being injured. Uh, Jung Shokshim, he, you know, kind of has been dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. So, I mean, it's just kind of like maybe preparing uh, people for, you know, a discussion about, you know, the state and the depth within this farm system. But that's something, you know, I will get to a little bit more, you know, kind of once these guys graduate, you know, once at least, you know, getting some of the guys that we do sign and are drafted, getting them, you know, within the top 30. And then especially if there would be any trades um, as well as, you know, any, any trades or anything that would happen this off season, you know, we can have that discussion at a, at a you know, future date. But until then, guys, you know, let's go Indians, let's go Curve, let's go Hoppers, let's go Marauders, let's go FCL Pirates, let's go DSL Pirates, and I'll catch you guys later. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer, let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here, I love that pitcher of the Pirates just got done playing the Cleveland Guardians, so I kind of had this one like planned out beforehand, I uh, and and thought that you know I'd be recording this on a Thursday, going to be taken off for vacation tomorrow, heading down to Gatlinburg, going to be checking out a Tennessee Smokies minor league game with the family on Sunday. You know, wherever we go, we check out another another minor league baseball ballpark. You know. Check that off our list. And this one, it's going to be a Cubs double A. So uh, some players, I might be able to do a little bit on some players that, you know, you might be seeing coming up through the Cubs organization that, you know, may be showing up at Wrigley and PNC um, in the next couple years here. But I decided to go with the beer review this week. Fatheads Brewery, as we know, Fatheads Brewery, most of their locations other than the Southside Saloon in Pittsburgh, it's an Ohio brewery. To me, it's a Cleveland brewery. And so I went with two that I had tried before um, came in this this four-pack. And two that I really hadn't had before but were absolutely delicious beers. The first one, it's the award-winning. It's the Headhunter. India Pale Ale, the IPA coming in at 7.5. Talk about this all the time, guys. 7.5, a little bit heavy for me. I definitely do like the taste of this one. 
Going to give this one a 425, bring it down to a 375. My favorite, That Fat Heads Makes, The Sunshine Dream, IPA, The Session, India Pale Ale, coming in at 4.9. This one for me, ladies and gentlemen, is a 475, bring that down to a 425. If it was up to me and, and I was just buying, you know, beers for the weekend, um, I would probably just buy a 12-pack of this one, you know, so good. Uh, the next one, very cool name, a Fresh Hop Freddy, and it's Fresh AF around the top. I, 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 I'm a I'm a sucker for cool cans. Um, this one is also an IPA coming in at 6%. Uh, this one, I'm going to go right around where the Headhunter was, give it the 425, bring that down to a 375, and the last one is Groovy Juice, the Hazy IPA, definitely a very cool can here, he's kind of got the, it's Groovy Juice, so he's got like the, the Afro made out of the hops, definitely a very cool looking can, but this one also for a Hazy, uh, coming in a little bit high, it's like a 7.1 gonna go with with the four 400 on this one bringing it down to the 350 um i have liked a lot of the hazy ipas uh this one like i don't know if it was because you know of not having like another tropical ipa or, or different type ipa in there but it was just a little bit too much away from the other one so this might be a one i might have to try again you know for myself so you know the 400 to the 350 uh, may go a little bit higher, but you know, for right now, I mean, we're, we're kind of going to have to, you know, test this one out again, maybe at a later date. Uh, I'll be catching you guys, hopefully from a brewery down in the, the Tennessee, you know, Smoky Mountain area. Hopefully one I saw down there was called Yeehaw Brewing. And hopefully we've got some good minor league baseball stuff to talk about.